Welcome back to the Radical Parenting Podcast. My name is Tony Shawcross, and I'm here today with Etain O'Kane, a person that I've known for, um, well, you were there for the first um, Radical Honesty uh, event that I went to in, in Greece with Kara Porba, who I've done a lot of these other uh, uh, podcast episodes with. Would you mind introducing yourself and what you do to the listeners? Yeah. Hi, I'm Atain, and I am a therapist. I live and work in Belfast in Ireland, and I've been uh, in private practice as a therapist for about eight years now. I'm also a radical honesty trainer, um, and I started uh, radical honesty practice about 10 years ago. Um, and I am the voice of the Radical Parenting audiobook. Yeah. Awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people get the Radical Parenting audiobook? So Brad Blanton, as I've mentioned in a couple other episodes, uh, maybe his third book or so was uh, Radical Parenting. It was the first book of his that I was exposed to. Still maybe my favorite. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so he has an audiobook version that, that Etain recorded. Where can people hear that on Audible? I'm assuming it's audible, yeah. yeah I'm sure there's a link to it on the Radical Honesty page as well. And you're also a parent, yes? I'm also a parent, yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm a parent to uh, Rory, who is five and a half. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And you co-parent with, uh, with, uh, with a, an ex, not, not a current partner, correct? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Great. So uh, again, for any of you that are tuning in for the first time, Radical Parenting uh, podcast is largely about um, a, a philosophy around parenting that I've sometimes referred to as prime directive parenting, which is a, a Star Trek reference. Uh, the prime directive in Star Trek is non-interference. So it's a, it's a parenting style kind of based in having a lot of faith in your child and a lot of respect for your child's own abilities to kind of uh, figure out their own ways. Um, kind of prioritizing long-term relationship and long-term psychological impact of, of your interactions with your child over like the immediate issues that are at hand. Um, it's a philosophy that's also based in, in Brad's book, Radical, Radical Parenting. And so we've been talking to a lot of parents that, that believe in doing what we can to not strip away the, the, self-expression of our kids to, to not strip away any of their self-confidence uh, to help them uh, trust themselves and, and uh, parents who aren't that big necessarily on like obedience and, uh, and discipline and uh, things like that. So I don't want to speak for Attain. Uh, Attain's going to talk to us today about, about her work as a therapist and like the importance in parenting in so many areas of, of, of processing your own issues, especially issues you, you developed as a child through the parenting you received and, uh, and the importance of doing that and enabled in enabling you to be the kind of parent you want to be. Mm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the way I describe it is that I see parenting as developing a relationship. So my prime directive is what kind of relationship do I want to have with Rory? Mm -hmm. What, so it's not about, um, you know, ass asserting my will and molding this child to be what I want. It's more, who is he and how do I relate to him? Mm -hmm. um, and what do I want that relationship to look like? Um, mm -hmm. And everything I do is in service to that kind of ultimate goal of having a good, healthy relationship with him. 
Awesome. And I think, I think the reason I'm, I believe that is because I had terrible relationships (laughs) with my own family. Um, My parents um, were, uh, well, uh, my parents were hippies uh, and we traveled a lot and um, I was not the center of their universe. Um, So I was an only child and I sort of had to just go along with what was happening. And we immigrated to Canada from Belfast when I was four and we left my entire extended family. So it was just me and my parents. Um, And so I was very heavily influenced by by my parents' parenting because quite often they were the only human beings I had contact with. my father really was just completely absent emotionally uh, and physically. Um, and my mom very much was a disciplinarian and um, saw me as someone that needed to do what they were told. And uh, one of the reasons I got involved in radical honesty and in, and became a therapist was to try and make sense of my childhood. <laughs> and so I had lots of theory I had lots and lots of theory. I studied child development at, at university and I've read all the books about attachment theory. And, um, you know, I know about how our, our childhood affects how we grow up and the kind of, you know, messed up dynamics that we develop as adults. And then I had a child. And suddenly it was just brought into sharp focus that. I was now taking on the role of people that I I didn't learn good habits from. I didn't learn good skills from. So I had to kind of question what kind of parent do I want to be in real in real time. <laughs> and that's been a really it's been a very challenging experience because I was an only child. So I wasn't surrounded by other children. I didn't have a large extended family. I didn't have aunties and uncles to look to as role models. So whenever I had my son, it was like, okay, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, so and- I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't want to sidetrack you, but I am going to ask a few, a few questions. Um, well, and first I'll mention that we're live on the radio, 92.9 FM, 89.3 HC3. You can listen online at denver.open.media. And that's an FCC in the, we're in the United States, attains in Belfast. Uh, we aren't allowed to say the F word on the air. Nope. So I'll mute that one out and, uh, and, and it's no big deal, but if you, if you can try and avoid those ones. <laughs> um, so that's really off topic, but back, back to the subject at hand. So, um, First, I'm, I just want to say that a lot of people think they have like a broad idea of like what kind of relationship they want with their child. But mm. my experience is in my relationship with my child and my relationship, romantic relationships, even in like working kind of all relationships, I've found that it is really helpful to just like really think about that. Like what kind of relationship do I want to cultivate? Because a lot of my natural programming, a lot of my, a lot of, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I think of myself as a good person. A lot of my natural programming is in line with the kind of relationships I want to create. And then a lot of it isn't a lot of my like automatic programming and upbringing and habits um, aren't really lined up with that. 
I get a, really caught up in some moment or some short-term kind of goal or some short-term feeling or reaction I'm having and then behave in a way that I find is actually at odds with if I were to sit down and think about the kind of relationship I want to cultivate with these people in my mm -hmm. life. Um, and so I think it is, it's so important to do that. And so I have two questions you can answer in either, in either order, but one is I want to hear what, when you have decided, like, and for me, it helps to really simplify it. Cause I could have a list of like a thousand things that are like, what kind of relationship I want with my, with my son or with my partner or with my mom. <clears throat> but for me, it really helps to just like, what are the core core things? Because then I can, no matter how, riled up I'm getting or angry I'm getting or sad I'm getting, I can always go back to these one or two or three things. So one of my questions is going to be, what are those for you with Rory? And then yeah. another question, which maybe I'm interrupting you, we're already going to get there is what are some of the, what are some of the ways you find your like knee jerk, you know, habits of from childhood that are at odds with that? Yeah. So I would say that the core for me is, hmm, how do I, how do I put that succinctly? So I think what's most important to me as a parent is that um, Rory knows that he can be himself with me and all feelings are okay. Um, it's okay to mess up but also to model graciousness and repair and communication skills, um, to give him language for what he's experiencing um, rather than trying to just stop the experience I don't like. So, um, you know, if he's kicking off and he's mad at me, I'm like, okay, I can see you're, you're mad at me. I can see that you're really frustrated that I won't let you have uh, ice cream for breakfast. And it's still a no. And he can kick off and I'll say, okay, so, you know, it's, it's about having that kind of, like he's allowed to kind of negotiate with me. He's allowed to tell me when he's frustrated or upset, or he's allowed to tell me when he's happy as well. We say love a lot. Um, we're very affectionate. Um, and I, I, I suppose I, I kind of want him to know that life is not always fair, but we work it out together. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like you were saying earlier, that sort of hands-off approach. So um, I've always sort of thought, okay, well, as long as nobody's going to die, as long as there's no real health and safety concerns, let him explore this. Let him trust his own instincts. Um, and I see that as very different compared to people I see in the playground, other parents in the playground who are saying, stop that, don't do that, be careful, slow down, be quiet. There's all these, you know, parents barking orders at their children, while I'll say things like, hmm, okay, you're up on that ledge. What happens if you slip? What's your next step? Where are you going to put your foot next? Have you thought about what you're going to do at the end of this precarious thing you're climbing on and get him to kind of collaborate and think about things and know that risk exists um, and it, it's okay to take risks mm -hmm. um, but to to also be responsible for your own actions I think those are the kind of the core things and also just to have fun life is about not taking life too seriously mm -hmm. 
you don't have to teach kids that usually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and your second question about when am I, when am I tested in that? I think it's when the real, um, the, the big challenge for me is when there is extreme anger or violence because kids lash out, right? And particularly long ch young children who don't have impulse control, who don't have the capacity to stop themselves from feeling huge emotions and acting those out. It has triggered me a lot. Um, my mom was physically a disciplinarian with me and, and I would say abusive. Um, so having somebody screaming and biting and kicking, I found really tough. Um, and around the kind of three, four age, when they're really challenging boundaries and being really cheeky and saying no and you know pushing back, there's a part of me going, I would never have spoken to my parents like that. I need to control this situation. And the old script is there going, punish, punish assert your will shout back and scare them like there's this part of me that reminds me of the way my mom treated me and absolutely horrifies me mm -hmm. but on some level this is what i was talking to you before we did the call in a, in some on some level it was healing for me to experience that experience and see how close you can get to the edge of losing your cool how easy it is to flip into bullying to flip into abuse, you know, as a single parent, when you're exhausted and you have been working all day and all you want to do is sleep and your child is screeching at you, there's a part of you that's really tempted to try and control. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I can now kind of have compassion mm -hmm. for what if I now know what it feels like to be on the other side and to have that impulse and I'm not gonna act the same way. So on one way, in one, on one level, it was like, oh, I now understand how she was pushed to the edge and didn't have the skills that I have. And also I'm really grateful for the experiences that I've had that have taught me that I don't have to react in the same way. Yeah, so you're just saying one of the, one of the habits that you built <clears throat> and lessons that you learned growing up that would be kind of a knee-jerk reaction if you weren't kind of putting this prioritization of the relationship you're trying to build with Rory first is you might just respond to kind of the to fight to fight. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what everything in your body is, is telling you to do, mm -hmm. right? Totally. The instinct is there. And then there's this other part of me that I've had to cultivate for years and years and years that goes, you know better than this. There's another way. Yeah. Keep your cool. Model what you want him to learn. He's not going to learn it tonight. Mm -hmm. But if you keep doing it over and over again, by the time he's six, seven, eight, 13, 25, mm -hmm. that's his normal. Yeah. His normal is you know, you're modeling what you hope your child will receive as love mm -hmm. and compassion and gentleness and guidance mm -hmm. rather than punishment. Yeah. Great. Um, <clears throat> I want you to keep going with this. I'm going to share a little personal story. Uh, when I first did Landmark Education, the Landmark Forum, um, kind of my main takeaway <clears throat> was that in every moment, I want to 
be the source of who and how I'm being. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just be kind of a reactive, you know, machine where someone cuts me off in traffic and <clears throat> and then that person gets to determine who and how I'm being. I want to be the source of who and how I'm being. <clears throat> and so that was kind of a little bit of a mantra for me for you know, for a few weeks after, after, uh, after landmark. And I remember having this one instance where, uh, where something happened, like in traffic, like it was a cab driver. So it was back in the day when we had cabs, we still do, but not many. Um, and the cab driver did something, you know, cut me off or recurringly did something. And, and I said to myself, like, right, no, I want to be the source of who and how I'm being not this guy. And I was like, yeah, I want to, who and how I, want to be right now is the guy who finds a brick and smashes it through (laughs) like I thought like I thought my rational brain was like no this is the this is who I want to be I want to (laughs) like smash his windshield or something like that anyway the point of that for me is that like it is in me like like this this reactivity and this anger um is is there and it's and it's like yeah, it's so strong sometimes that I'd even that I even like get so caught up with it that even if I'm questioning myself, I'm like, no, this is the right thing to do right now. Um, I don't ever think that anymore. I mean, I've I've had enough practice at it, but when that was a new idea for me, I was like, yeah, pretty much all facets of my brain are being overtaken by this this anger that I'm feeling. And I didn't. I didn't. There do are that. times. Never there have. are times when I I do lose my cool as yeah. a parent. And what I do is I'm, re- I'm really good at communicating that before it happens. So I'm, you know, I'm really clear with Roy, like, yeah, that noise is driving me crazy. If you keep doing it, I'm going to have to either leave the room or we're going to have to stop what we're doing. Will you please stop? And if it keeps going, there might be a time when I really lose it mm-hmm. and go too far. And I, like I had a situation with him just last month where it was just a really tough week. We had been in lockdown for five months. He's an only child as well. He hasn't been able to play with other children for a long, long time. He's kicking off. He's, you know, he's feeling the effects of, of COVID and everybody else's collective stress. And, and he was just being really hard work for about two weeks, just defiant and angry and, you know, spitting and, and like, it was just, it was tough. And like, there was a part of me was really being triggered by it. And there was one night it just came to a head and he, he kicked a ball and spilt something and I, I lost it. Mm -hmm. I was so unreasonable. I was shouting. I was, I was, I was, you know, being really mean about it going, you have to clean that up. And I was, you know, really, Mm -hmm. And he started to cry and I started to cry and we cuddled each other. And I thought, okay, yeah, we're both just at our, like, we're just at the edge of, Mm -hmm. of our ability to cope with anything right now. And that's okay too. It's okay Mm -hmm. for our kids to see us completely get it wrong. Yeah. And to go the next day and say, mommy did the wrong thing. I really, I lost my temper. It was an accident. It wasn't your fault. I'm sorry I reacted that way. I'm not going to do it again. How did it feel for you? I understand that that scared you. I'm sorry. And to give him a chance to talk about it. And like, that's okay. In fact, I think that's really good learning for a child. Yeah. I don't losing your 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 cool all the time if you are then definitely go and get some help 
-hmm. and support. And that's another thing that I've had to really learn as a parent. Um, being an only child and, and having, you know, a messed up situation with my folks, what I learned was to be the tough guy, right? I don't need anybody for anything. I, I'm, I'm very capable. I'm independent. I do my own thing. I don't, I don't need anybody for anything. And I mean, I've learned that that's, that's a trauma response and not a good way to live your life. So I'd already been working on that, mm -hmm. but being a parent it really hit me. Like for the first time in my life, I can't do this on my own. I need to surround myself with good people, good nurturing people who build me up, who check in on me, who bring me dinner if I can't cook, who um, send me messages telling me I'm the best mom in the world when I'm feeling like a piece of crap. You know, like it also taught me that I needed to nurture myself in order to nurture him. So my boundaries with other humans, adult humans are, are rock solid mm -hmm. a result of needing to take care of this person that I love more than any other human on the planet. I want to be the best version of me for him. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've really cultivated good relationships over the last five years that support me to, to be the best mom I can be as well. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, I mean, there probably are a few parents in the world who never really act out of alignment with that, with that, intention that they have of the kind of relationship they want to create or this idea of who, being who and how they want to be in every moment there probably are a few who do that but very very few uh and i liked what you're saying too that yeah in order for you to maximize that it it takes self-care it takes in in your case i don't i don't know if you said this or if i just know it but therapy it takes you kind of ongoingly dealing with those things and yeah if you as a parent are finding yourself flipping out quite a bit. One of the books that we read, I think Janet Lansbury, but maybe Alfie Cohn, all of them really say like, it's a good sign you're not really taking care of yourself. Um, and part of that care too is yeah, tending to any of those wounds that you, that you developed in your own childhood, which might not just be the kind of taking care of yourself that's like taking a walk in the morning or having alone time, but like, yeah, doing some work and doing some therapy. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, I don't trust any therapist who doesn't do therapy. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm, I'm a big advocate of, of therapy and any time I feel myself slipping at all, or if a, a pattern is repeating in my life, or there's some difficulties going on in my adult relationships, I go and I sort that out. Mm. Absolutely. More <laughs> parents did that. We'd have much happier kids. We wouldn't have kids then acting out. Yeah. And I imagine some of your friends, I mean, for me, at least I, I, I do seek out therapy, professional therapy, but I also have a <clears throat> circle of friends that are just steeped in radical honesty and, um, and therapists in general, psychotherapists as friends. So we aren't really therapizing each other, but just the kind of communication that comes, comes through relationships like that is, is healing and helps you stay in, in the kind of zone I want to stay in. Right. That emotional intelligence is, is a, a, an absolute essential for me. Like anybody in my life who, who takes up any significant space has to be emotionally intelligent, has to be able to have a meaningful conversation, has to be able to express empathy and support and, and also be vulnerable and admit their own failings and share mm -hmm. those in a way that's not like, you know, it's not gnashing of teeth. 
it's not like you know out victiming each each other it's just sort of like here i am warts mm -hmm. and all and Sometimes I'll be the one feeling great and able to support you. And then there's other times when you're going to be the one who's, who's carrying me. And that, that's great. You know, I can really trust in everybody that I have in my life. Yeah, that's, that's really important. Great. A couple episodes ago, uh, Karen and I reviewed a book called Unconditional Parenting by Alfie Cohn. And, and he makes up like a rule. He's like, I recommend you apologize to your child at least three times a week. Uh, and he he admits that he's just making up this number for no reason, but um, but yeah, I liked what you said. I mean, no parent is n is gonna be perfect. No parent is even gonna be their own version of perfect uh, mm -hmm. by their own standards. No no parent is ever gonna be perfect. That's kind of the only standard. I don't want matters. to be perfect. Yeah. I don't want to be perfect. Yeah, no, good. I want to be perfectly imperfect, and I want Rory to grow up in a world where it's okay to mess up yeah. and to have lots of strong, resilient skills in dealing with the imperfect. Yeah. That's what life is going to throw at him. Yeah. It would be pretty shocking if you were perfect and then he has to deal with the, the real world <laughs> and coworkers and siblings, or in this case, you know, whatever, eventually significant others or whatever. It'd be pretty hard to handle if he had had a, Mom yeah. who never, and never flew up if I more. could have if I could have a dollar for every client that's come into my office struggling with anxiety who says I had a perfect childhood, <laughs> and then after about three or four sessions they start talking about their childhood and I'm like yikes yeah that sounds horrific, you know people who think they had perfect childhoods often have incredibly stilted emotionally non-existent relationships which were based on duty and keeping up appearances and pretending to be positive and ignoring anything negative and mm. they don't know how to cope with the stresses of life yeah. yeah they don't know how to play they don't know how to be silly they don't know how to admit mistakes they don't know how to apologize well, they don't I like, know how to ask for help i like I like to, for me, apologizing, just totally separating the two things. Cause like whatever Rory did, it's kind of irrelevant. There's no reason to even talk about the kicking of the ball or spilling the thing. Like that what you did is a separate, a separate act and you can apologize for that in total kind of isolation, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's beautiful now that he's getting a bit older and he is developing that ability to, speak up for himself and to reflect on experiences you know he's not so much just in the moment anymore and he'll say to me those were unkind words that you used mm -hmm. or uh you know he'll he'll give me feedback mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's and i'll be like huh yeah how could i have done that differently what do you think and we talk about it and it's really lovely that he feels like he can he can give me feedback on on what he thinks are injustices or things that I could, I could do differently. Mm -hmm. And, and he'll say to me, you know, mommy, use your kind words or you're being grumpy or whatever. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah. Is it always like, <laughs> Oh, thanks for pointing that out. Or is it ever <laughs> something else? Most of the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty laid back parent. I have to say, mm -hmm. like I, I do tend to really love his company. Mm -hmm. And even in the hard moments, 
there's something just really joyful about I suppose I just feel so honored that there's a human being in the world who thinks I'm his everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's such an honor. I mean, when you see just how utterly loving and pure and accepting children are, even in what we, in so-called negative moments, there's still a real sense of joy to be part of it with him, if that makes sense. It sounds a little cliched, but it's, it's actually true. Like, you know, even when things are tough, I'm like, what an amazing, what an amazing relationship to be part of. Well, talk to me a little bit more about, especially with your work as a therapist, about, about the idea of like healing, healing your childhood and developmental trauma and, and your, your, your wounds in a way that, that lets you show up to be the parent you want to be. Well, yeah, I'm not sure if the two are connected, if me being a therapist and me being a parent is connected. I suppose that it's allowed me to put a lot of... As a therapist, it's just that you see a lot of different people. I mean, you see a lot of people dealing with their wounds and their developmental, you know, and you help people work through that. So you just have a lot of, not only your own experience in healing your own wounds, but you have a lot of experience in helping people. Mm -hmm. Well, I suppose one of the things I, I do ask people now that I didn't ask before I had a child is if they do have children, I'll say to them, what kind of parent are you and what kind of parent do you want to be? In the context of everything that we're talking about in therapy, what is your role as a parent? And that actually, like, it's a really interesting question for people who are in the middle of of therapeutic work that is focusing on them. And quite often I, I, I get people to go back to their earliest memories of experiences that they had as a child and to connect with that child as they are now as an adult. And then sometimes they're like, oh my God, I do that to my son all the time or whatever. Like they, they start to make these realizations that they have somehow, as much as they, they, they feel uncomfortable about it, they have absorbed those parenting techniques or skills or lack of skills mm-hmm. into their own way of being. And when they, when they are confronted with it, they go, yeah, that stops now. That stops mm-hmm. for me in terms of allowing that to happen to me. And it also stops for my kids yeah. because I actually get to choose now. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a really, it's a, a powerful realization. It does heal the, the child in you as much as, as the relation, you know, repair the relationship that you have with your own children. Um, it makes me think of a, of, I'm sure my friend won't mind me sharing this, but I was doing a workshop um, and we were talking about, uh, you know, transactional analysis and the, the adult uh, child parent dynamic. And, and he was saying, yeah, but you know, like, what if you're just really angry at your kid? Like, what if they're just pushing your buttons to the point where you just, you can't, like you're just locked in battle and they won't listen to anything you say. And I was like, can you give me an example? And, and he said, like, every morning it's a battle with my son. Every morning he won't get his clothes on and he won't eat his breakfast and we're always late and da, da, da. And, and I'm like, that sounds a lot like the, the person you describe yourself as. Like you're, you know, you're, you're Mr. ADHD guy. Like you're, you're always late. You, you miss deadlines. You're you know, people tell you that they're, they're frustrated with you not paying attention. What was it like when you were a kid getting ready for school? And he started to cry. And he's like, yeah, exactly the same. 
it was exactly the same. And he made a decision then, I'm not going to do this anymore. And he stopped. He just completely, he got up earlier. He was organized. He, he changed his behavior. He stopped battling his son and went, I have to model what I want our relationship to be. And from that day forward, he had the lunches ready the night before. He didn't take half an hour messing around in the shower and, you know, modeling the behavior he was, he was hating in his son. <laughs> yeah. And he, he reported that like it never, that battle stopped. They were, they were showing up to school 15 minutes earlier than usual. They were getting to play in the playground together. His son was putting his arm around him and telling him he loved him. But it wasn't until he realized, oh, I was that kid and I know what that feels like, that he was able to, to change himself yeah. and stop projecting it onto his own kid. He was just being just like his dad. Mm. And why wouldn't he be? Yeah, yeah that, that stuff gets kind of, in, I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, but I imagine that stuff gets just ingrained in our subconscious. And until we bring it to our conscious awareness, it just, we just play it out, just like top dog, bottom dog kind of stuff. He was so used to being in trouble for those things himself and denying that part of himself that it just became second nature that he would get mad at his kid for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as a, I run an organization here, you know, and uh, I'm really often like trying to get my employees to make up for my kind of like shortcomings you know so if, if like i'm not very type a or if i'm not very like organized like i just like you know want them to be so organized and make up for all of these like shortcomings and it's possible that in a workplace that might be okay may, maybe unhealthy also i'm not sure but i'm certain that in my personal relationships and in my in my parenting relationships that's that's uh, again, that's just like a subconscious thing. I'm d denying this part of myself and it's not part of a designed uh, orchestrated goal for the kind of relationship I'm trying to build and the kind of uh, what I'm trying to help support in my child's development. It's, it's a knee jerk. Yes. And what I would say is it's okay to be not good at stuff. So like what I've always said to myself, um, you know, like my, my dad's, or my son's dad and I have very different personalities and very different parenting styles. And sometimes those rub against each other. And I kind of had to decide at some stage, do I, do I lock into battle over this? Do I, do I try to assert my, my will here? And it just didn't feel right to me. Like I just, I, I didn't want my son to be caught between two people trying to prove who was right and so the, the i made a very conscious decision that i was not going to engage in conflict over parenting but what i was going to do is expose rory to as many people as varied a group of people as i possibly could and he will choose who his role models are so his mom and his dad don't have to be everything. Mm -hmm. I certainly have a lot of shortcomings mm -hmm. and there are things that I'm really good at and there are things that I'm just not good at at all. But I trust that within my, my circle of friends and the people that I expose him to and the experiences that I expose him to, 
he gets to see that there is more than one way to do things. Mm -hmm. There's more than one way to communicate. There's more than one way to express anger. There's more than one way to express love. And he will have a rich enough experience that he will realize that people are different and he will, he will have an opportunity to get whatever his needs are met, not necessarily by me, not necessarily by his dad. If there are shortcomings, hopefully the, the community and the clan will pick up the slack, mm-hmm. yeah. which is kind of like what you're doing at work. You're saying, okay, I'm not good at that bit. So I need somebody else to do that bit. Yeah. That's a lot okay, of too cooperation and coordination and organizations is about yeah, bringing in the different skill sets so that you can do something more than we could do on our own. Yeah. 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 So, you know, in a way like gentle parenting or radical parenting or whatever you want to call it is also being allowed to be your Im- imperfect self and, mm-hmm. and, and to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. And forgiving yourself and giving yourself, you know, yeah. you can skill yeah. up, where you can. And I, I definitely, I read a lot of books and I, I check things out and I ask my friends, am I off base here? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? I I'm willing to take feedback. Um, but ultimately, you know, good enough is good enough. Yeah. Well, when I've sat down and thought about what kind of relationship do I want to have with my son? Um, it's honestly really similar to <clears throat> the relationship I want to have with pretty much everyone who's important to me. And, and if I had to narrow it down to just two things, which I kind of have, um, the first is what you and I and radical honesty people would call non-withholding or radical honesty, just, but very similar to what you said uh, when you were first listing what you wanted from Rory, you want him to know that he can be himself with you no matter what that's, whatever's going on for him, whatever's going on in your head, whatever's going on in your body, <clears throat> it's never going to be something you need to hide from me or shift for, for me to accept you and love you and be there with you as you go through whatever you're going through. I get a little shivers on my face when I think that, but that's, that's the first one for me. And then the second is acceptance. So the first is like non-withholding, just like you get to express everything that's there. And then the second is I have to then agree to not try and change that. I have to agree to just like accept that. Yeah. And I want to, I want to, when you're, yeah, like you said, spouting off or whatever phrase you use that might be something we don't use is often in the U.S. I don't remember what you said, kicking off or something like that. When he's doing that, like, I don't like my child suffering. I don't like anybody suffering. When you're sad, when you're angry, when you're suffering, I want to end it, you know? And, uh, and yeah, I want to even accept that. I want to accept that, yeah, right now you're just, you're just mad. And Mm -hmm. I want to accept whatever's going on. And for me, the hardest, especially in like personal relationships, romantic relationships, it's like, I can be there with people being upset. I can be there with people needing to grieve with people needing to whatever. But when it's directly aimed at me, that's like, that's like a Jedi skill. I haven't quite, (laughs) quite mastered. And with your kid, I'm sure it very, very frequently is aimed right at you. Yeah, absolutely. Accepting that, accepting that that anger and that sadness is aimed at you. And in their experience, it's your fault. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, There was a period when he was in his, he was about four where, yeah, I've, I've, I've read that young boys go through a period of just like their testosterone, just like 
goes up like 800% when they're about four and they're just like these bulls. <laughs> and I think he, he, there was like a couple of months there where he would tell me, I hate you like 80 times before breakfast. And there were times where that cut to the bone, like that hurt beyond like somebody that you love so much saying that they hate you over and over and over again and nothing you can do is right it's painful mm -hmm. and it's not personal then mm -hmm. he's not doing it to me mm -hmm. that's where my my personal work kicks in that's where all of the years of meditation all of the years of practicing radical honesty all the years of therapy all the years of learning good conflict resolution skills all the years of learning how to focus on the behavior and not the person and and being able to separate someone's inherent value from the way things are happening right now kicks in and also to go and have a good cry and feel be allowed to feel hurt and sad but mm. without making it that child's responsibility without shaming them mm. without name calling without stamping down without is... even without even pulling rank you know like you can you can watch your own boundaries you can take care of yourself without what i call pulling rank or what you know that phrase pulling rank on your child yeah exactly and you can you can express your sadness and and your frustration while also respecting their inherent value as a human being and their experience in that moment yeah so yeah for me when i'm flipping out when i'm triggered i remember just those two things i narrow it down to just non-withholding and acceptance because uh, that's all it takes for me to remember these kind of more complex and larger ideas uh, but yeah, for me, it just boils down to that because even no matter how triggered I am, no matter how much I think the person I want to be right now is the person who throws a brick through this cab driver's window, uh, I can I can go back to that and remind myself of yeah what I want in all the relationships that I care about is is non withholding and acceptance. You had recommended a couple books. I kind of forget what they were. I think one was Raising Boys, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so maybe I'll put a couple of the books that you mentioned on on our list to read and read and review. Mm -hmm. Any any resources you really want to share around like healing your own trauma? It, it could be children's related to child raising, or it could be not. Anything you want to recommend to the listeners? I think um, some of the, some of the best books are actually books that aren't about childhood or child rearing at all. So there's a really a book that I really really loved. Um, called How to Be Adult in Relationships um, by, what is his name? Um, Rocha, Roca, I think. Um, I can send you information. Do you give links? Yeah. Or how do you, up. okay. Yeah. So How to Be Adult in Relationships is written by a, a psychotherapist who's also a Buddhist. Is it David Rico, Richo? Richo, that's it. David Richo. Yeah. It's and audible, it's a very, well. yeah, he talks about the five core needs that children have. Um, and that was really, that was a really healing book for me in terms of, you know, he was saying like, you know, we act out the, the, the bits that we didn't get as children. And so it's our job as adults to heal, heal those wounds. And it's a really accessible book. And it's, it's, a, it's based on some lovely philosophy as well. Um, so I thought that book was really, really helpful to me as a parent. Mm -hmm. um, 
the, the work of the Gottman Institute, um, I think is excellent in terms of teaching good communication skills mm -hmm. um, and learning how to not engage in passive aggressive uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. And they have loads of resources. I think they actually do have uh, training for parents. <laughs> yeah, my, co um, my, my, I don't know what to even call her anymore. My ex and I went to Bringing Baby Home, a workshop that they offer and, and followed through their, their workbook, which is called Bringing Baby Home. And I've also read a few, a few other books of John Gottman and, uh, and his wife as well. I don't remember her name, but. Yeah, so I really recommend the Gottmans. I think it's really sound. It's based on, it's evidence-based. There's also a really good book that I read when, when my son was really young called What Every Parent Needs to Know. And that's based on sort of what we know about like the biology of, of child development and brain development and um, the different mind, milestones that, that young children go through. And it kind of helps explain what it's like from their perspective. And it's, it's very, very short sound bites with lots of pictures. So for parents of new children who are absolutely exhausted and don't have a lot of time to themselves, it's a really helpful book because <laughs> you can read like five sentences and then put it down. <laughs> so I thought that book was great as well. Looks like they don't have that on Audible as an audiobook, but it looks like Margot Sunderland is the, is the author. Right? Yeah. The links to those as well. Well, anything else you want to share about this this topic? I appreciate you talking about about this this issue of of healing your own wounds so that you don't unintentionally uh, get sidetracked or cause wounds that aren't aligned with the relationship you're trying to build with your child and the person you're 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 wanting to be in relationship to your child. Anything yeah. else you want to share about that? Uh, I guess I would just say like enjoy your kids. You know enjoy it it's it's such a it's such a wonderful adventure to see the world through a child's eye and uh, don't take it too seriously even the act of wanting to heal your own wounds you know like don't make that such a preoccupation and mission that you're just analyzing yourself to death instead of getting down on the floor and and acting like a crocodile mm -hmm. you because know? that's what it's all about yeah it is crocodiles yeah. It's non-withholding acceptance and crocodiles. Crocodiles. Let your kid teach you how to be that that little child again. And yeah. that's healing in itself. Just to let let all the adult stuff go and let them lead. Yeah. Brad's book, Radical Parenting, and most of these books we're reading, they all have in common just such a high level of respect for our kids. And Brad specifically, all of them though, talk about these are like little gurus. They have so much to teach you. And yeah. so few parents are open and receptive to what there is to learn from your children. Yeah. And uh, the, the one person I didn't mention was Sarah Ockwell Smith, who is uh, an English author. And she's written a whole series of books uh, called Gentle Parenting. And yeah, she like she comes from the philosophy that all behavior is a communication. It's just up to you to figure out what that what it is that they're trying to communicate and respond in a gentle, loving way, as gentle and loving a way as you can, without losing boundaries. So you know, kids need boundaries. They need to know what is expected, but how you communicate that should be done in a compassionate and loving way. Yeah, yeah and a, a, another hard lesson for parents, I think, is 
is when you're talking about like every behavior is a communication, recognizing how out of touch most of us are with mm. the communication. Right. That it is. Because we're so wrapped up in the story. Yeah. And we're so, we have so many filters, so many analyses, so many past experience and projections that we don't really know the difference between exploring the communication that is being communicated to us from mm. that, that thing out there and projecting our own experience, our own situation, which is probably one of the core exercises and muscle building tools of, of radical honesty. Yeah. 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 And you, you practice that with adults. You don't, you don't use your kids as guinea pigs for <laughs> right. that work. Right. But when you do that work with other adults, so you can mess it up and, and it's, it's, it's safe to do that if you don't feel like you're particularly skilled in that yeah. area. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, thank you. It's nice to see you. I hope we do this again sometime soon. It's fun. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for asking me to do it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Radical Parenting. Mm-hmm.